Today on Hardwired. Satan's target was Peter's faith and Jesus told him exactly what it was. I prayed your faith won't fail. Now, interestingly, the word fail means to die out or come to an end. Believe it or not, he's literally talking about apostasy. He prayed that Peter would not totally walk away from his faith in Christ. Literally, he's praying that Peter doesn't throw it all away and walk away, return to his own life and forget about Jesus. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wicklire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. Well, we're gonna finish our series today in the battlefield of the mind with a very, very, very important message on the battle for your faith. You see, I believe the Bible is very clear that when the devil attacks us, what he's really after, ultimately his end game, his final target is our faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus warned Simon Peter that the devil was gonna come and sift his faith. In fact, that's gonna be my text today. We're gonna to look at how Satan attacked Peter in an attempt to steal his faith, and he has no new tricks. He's got the same old bag of tricks that he used on Simon Peter when it comes to you and me. So grab your Bible, grab something to write with. This is really gonna bless you today. And let's look at the message, the battle for your faith. Let's go. Now, in our last few times together, I've talked about the battlefield of the mind. And so far, we've covered these three things. Just to give you a little recap, the battle for your thoughts. That's where it all begins. Then the second message, the battle with strongholds. And then third, the battle for your peace. Satan wants to steal your peace. And now this time, I want to talk to you about the battle for your faith. Now, listen carefully, because this is real. I've seen people have their faith greatly rattled and shaken. I've seen them have faith crises. And I'm always reminded of passages like we just read where Simon Peter's faith was attacked. Now the context of our first text is Jesus is about to be arrested, delivered over by one of his own 12, Judas, the traitor. And he's about to be crucified. And he warns Peter of an approaching spiritual attack from Satan himself. Simon, because I'm God and I know what you don't know, it has come to me that you're about to come under attack. Isn't it good to know that the Lord knows what's coming our way even when we don't? And he prays for us. Amen? So he warns Peter. Then in the second text, Jesus is arrested and what he spoke to Peter about his own denials came to pass. Peter denied the Lord three times. And the Lord's arrest and subsequent abuse shocks the other disciples as well. Just as Jesus had said, Satan has desired to sift you, you is plural. And talking to Peter, he is by default talking to all of them. 
He's saying, Satan has asked for you, my disciples. He wants to sift you. He wants to sift your faith. He wants to try you and test you. He wants to prove or not the genuineness of your faith. So I have interceded for you that when your faith is tested, it will not fail. You won't lose it. I see the attack that's coming and I've already stepped in the gap for you. He ever lives to make intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Aren't you glad we've got a savior that prays for us in heaven? Amen. Their faith, when Jesus is arrested, abused, finally hung on the cross, their faith is shaken to the core. This is why Jesus had looked right at Peter and he said, Peter, I'm going to tell you what the prime target of Satan's attack is. It's your faith. And I pray for you that you won't lose your faith. I've prayed for you that your faith will stand a severe test. I prayed for you. Satan's target was Peter's faith and Jesus told him exactly what it was. I prayed your faith won't fail. Now, interestingly, the word fail means to die out or come to an end. Believe it or not, he's literally talking about apostasy. He prayed that Peter would not totally walk away from his faith in Christ. Literally, he's praying that Peter doesn't throw it all away and walk away, return to his own life and forget about Jesus. That's what he's praying for. In the battlefield of the mind, in virtually any trial you and I go through, Satan's top target is always our faith. Water it down, dilute it, pollute it. One commentator writes, Satan, in his temptations, strikes principally at the faith of God's people. The means by which they experience peace and joy and comfort. Faith is crucial to our walk. Without it, we have no walk. So Satan attacks your faith. He unchanged. He knows that faith is the foundation of a believer's life. That's the foundation. It begins and ends with faith. How do you walk with God? By faith. How do you receive the fulfillment of God's promises? By faith. How are you going to go to heaven? By faith. By faith, we win the battle with the temptations of the world. John writes, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. How do we stand against such a corrupt culture as the one we're living in now? We do it by faith. And by faith, we overcome the world. Amen. Faith is the key to surviving spiritual battles. 2 Corinthians 1.24, for by faith, you stand. How do you stand? By willpower? By your incredible IQ? By your looks? How do you stand? By your college degrees? By your income? No, you stand by faith. You win the battle by faith. We extinguish every fiery arrow shot at us from the pit of hell. The true believer in Jesus Christ lives his or her life by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we genuine believers walk by the principle of faith, not by the principle of sight. We walk by faith. We aren't moved by what we see. We are moved by the word of God. The one thing that characterizes the life of every true child of God is faith. Not blind faith, stupid faith, irrational faith, but solid faith based on solid facts that Christ died for us on the cross, rose from the dead, King of kings, Lord of lords, and soon to return, we have our faith in him, not some figment of our imagination. Now, Satan did indeed attack Simon Peter's faith. 
and I want to look at it. He did it from several fronts, but I want to look at two. Two ways that he attacked his faith. The first one, through his failure. He attacked him through his failure. Peter really failed. Of all the 12, he said he had turned around and looked at all the other 11 and said, they may forsake you, but I won't. And he ended up falling worse than any of them because none of them denied him three times in front of everybody. Do you know that John was standing there when Peter said these things? I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. We know that John was standing there. He said it in front of his brother. He said it in front of the world. I don't know him, I don't know him. He so failed. He was Jesus' prized pupil. He totally disowned the Lord. Not just, I'm not familiar with him. I don't know him at all. I totally disown him. I was never with him. I don't know what you're talking about. You're liars. This failure and the pain that it brought and the condemnation that it dumped on him and the despair that it drowned him in were enough to shatter his confidence. I want you to listen. Failure, not properly responded to, can destroy your faith. But I can tell you, failure is one thing. But failure is not final or fatal unless you quit. Peter had boasted, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Well, he didn't even go to prison, much less death. He didn't even risk it, but he caved. And the bulletproof faith that he thought he had caved with it. But not only had he denied the Lord, but adding insult to injury, imagine the look. When Jesus, right after the third denial, Jesus is being led out and Jesus turns and hears that third denial, looks right at him. Can you imagine that look? Oh, help me, Jesus. That was a look that burned itself into the soul of Simon Peter. It pierced his soul like a hot iron. The Bible records Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I looked that word up. It means heaving sobs. He didn't just tear up. He was racked with sobs. His whole body was convulsing with sobs. It just punched him in the gut what he had done. He couldn't believe what he had said. He couldn't believe that he had backed down in front of all of his brethren and in front of the Lord himself. Heaving sobs. And just like Simon Peter, when you and I fail the Lord, a gang of emotions rush in to attack our faith with everything from questioning our salvation to crippling discouragement. Some people walk away from a failure going, I must not be saved. Maybe I'm not saved. Are you sure I'm saved? How can I be saved and do that? Think that, say that, go there. How can I be saved? And Satan attacks in the presence of failure. And at the very least, we're discouraged to the point of, who am I to ever go to church again? Satan unleashes condemnation, his favorite weapon, like a whip to lash our conscience. The fiery arrow of temptation to quit comes zinging into our mind. Hang it up. Look at you. Look at you. Rest of the 11, they didn't say that, do that. Look at you, big guy. Look at you, leader of the pack. Look at you. Just walk away, says the devil. Give up this religious stuff. You can't do it. You're not worthy to call yourself a Christian or certainly to go to church. So how do you win this battle? How do you win the battle with failure? Because if you don't respond right, it can take you out. You can decide to walk away. You can decide to go back into the old life. You can say, man, I just couldn't cut it. It didn't work for me. If you respond wrongly to failure, it can end you. It can end your walk. So how do you win this battle? Two simple things to remember. When you fail and I fail, you got to remember this. First, you're not alone. 
Everybody say, I'm not alone. See, the devil will tell you, nobody did what you've done. Nobody's as bad as you. Nobody is as ornery as you. Nobody is as backslidden. Nobody has done what you've done. You are, you are chief of sinners. And he'll attack you and he'll lie to you. But here's the truth, you're not alone. This whole sanctuary is full of people who have messed up and come back. Before Pastor Jeff comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple of important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, hardwired.org. You'll find today's program along with all of Pastor Jeff's messages. There's a growing list of great things to check out at the site. So hop on over and check it out, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. And be sure to tell your friends about the program. We know you're being blessed by it. I'm sure your friends will be as well. We're here to reach as many people for the Lord as we can. So getting the word out will help us on this mission. And that's what this program is all about. And Pastor Jeff's back now for the conclusion of today's program. Bible's full of failures. Matter of fact, most of the mighty people, the luminaries of the Bible failed. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied. Gideon was afraid. Samson, the he-man with a she-weakness, was a womanizer. David committed adultery. Solomon fell to idolatry. Rahab was a prostitute. Paul killed Christians. And Peter denied the Lord. Like I said, you're not alone. But listen, they all went to God. They all repented. They all got right. They all came back. They all served the Lord. They all went on to be useful in the kingdom of God. So everybody say with me, I'm not alone. Don't let the devil tell you, well, you're worse than any of them. Walk away. No, he's a liar. How do you know the devil's lying? If he's talking, if he's talking, he's lying. He's a liar and he's the father of every lie. And if he's whispering in your ear, it's a lie, a half truth, something he's twisting. You're not alone. And second thing to remember is you gotta remember the power of the blood. Can I say that again? If you fail, you've got to remember the power of the blood because Satan will try to get you to think, well, God can't forgive me for this. No, let me ask you a question. Is your sin greater than the blood? Your sin is not greater than the blood. There is nothing you could do that's greater than the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You've got to remember the power of the blood. See, the blood is what undid Satan. It defanged him. It took away from him the power of death, hell, and the grave. It stripped him of his power. It sealed his doom. The blood. How many of you this week were so glad for the blood? Yeah. How many of you, even today on the way to church, were glad for the blood? How many of you right now are glad for the blood? So you got to remember, you got to remember you're not alone and you got to remember the power of the blood when you fail. And that's what Peter did. Peter looked finally at the efficacy of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said to him three times, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, Peter knew 
My failure was not fatal and it wasn't final. As long as I don't quit. Are you with me, everybody? Jesus told you and me, forgive each other seven times, 70 times in one day. That's 490 times in one day you're forgiving that dude. That's 400. If we can do it 490 times, can he not forgive us? If we fail 30 times in one day, yes, he can. Don't let the devil keep you away from the blood of the lamb. Now, a second way he attacked Peter's faith was in his beliefs. Catch this one. Track with me. Peter had banked everything on Jesus being the Messiah that all the Old Testament prophets had predicted would come. He was right there. At Jesus' call, he'd walked away from everything. His father, his family, his wife, his house, his occupation, his boat, the tools of his trade. He'd walked away from all of it. He left it when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you to become a fisher of men. And at that compelling call, irresistible, he left everything behind him and followed Christ. And as he was following him, he was an eyewitness to Jesus healing sick people, raising dead people back to life. He saw Lazarus come out of that grave. He saw Jesus walk on water, thought it was a ghost at first. He personally witnessed all kinds of undeniable miracles. It was Peter who had said before any of the others, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. It was divine revelation. But here's the deal. Based on an incomplete understanding of Old Testament prophecy, Peter was certain that Roman tyranny was going to be ended by the Lord. They were under the iron thumb of Rome, the Jewish people. And Peter believed in his understanding of Old Testament prophecy, the Messiah was going to deliver them, deliver Israel, deliver the Jewish people from Roman tyranny. And he wasn't alone. You remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus getting out of Dodge, getting out of Jerusalem, going off to a little bitty town to lick their wounds after Jesus had been crucified. They're talking amongst themselves and Jesus, the resurrected Christ, walks up and they don't know it's him. And they talked to him about him. And what they said was this. We had our hopes up that he was the one. The one what? The one about to deliver Israel. We had our hopes up. In other words, they're no longer up. They've been dashed, crashed, shattered by this crucifixion and this horrible death. So Peter's beliefs and those of all the other disciples, this guy is going to deliver us from the tyranny of Rome. They were shaken to the core when their hero and their leader was arrested, mocked, beaten, and hung on a cross to die before their very eyes. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Even though Jesus had told the disciples three different times at least, they're gonna kill me and I'm gonna rise from the dead. They were still shaken and rattled by what they saw. Peter and the disciples were plunged into a faith crisis. Satan went after their faith by attacking their beliefs in Jesus, what they believed about him. Heaven's miracle worker has raised others from the dead. Why can't he deliver himself? Had their beliefs been misguided? They wondered, how could the son of God suffer such a horrible death? How? Their beliefs about Jesus came under ferocious attack. The Bible records that Mary Magdalene was the first one to see the risen Christ. 
And Jesus sent her to tell the others what she had seen. But Mark says when they, including Peter, heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. When other women that had been with Mary Magdalene told the apostles the very same thing, it says, and their words seemed to the disciples like idle tales. And they, including Peter, did not believe them. They didn't believe one witness. They didn't believe plural witnesses that Jesus was raised from the dead. Why? Because their beliefs were under attack. He was going for their faith. And if he could get the disciples' faith, he stopped Christianity because they're the ones that carried it to the world. So he's going for their faith. He was working overtime to undermine what they believed. Listen carefully to me. Right when you think it can't be attacked, it's attacked. It can be attacked in a classroom. You're just getting a degree. You're in college there with right motives. And some professor gets up there and starts undermining the Christian faith, giving you all kinds of intellectual reasons to doubt it. And before you know it, you return to your dorm room with your faith under attack. How many kids have called their parents from college and said, I don't believe anymore. I don't believe what you raised me in anymore. I've seen the light, right? Or you're reading a book and something in that book undermines the faith. All of a sudden there's a sentence or a paragraph and it undermines the faith in a way that is very persuasive and convincing. Has God said, Satan whispers, is that Bible true? Is Jesus really the one and only son of God? Are you kidding me? He's the only way? Uh, do you really have to live according to what the Bible says? Or is that just antiquated truth that is not relevant for today? And your faith is attacked. Aren't other religions just as valid? Are you going to tell me that whole continents are going to hell because of what they believe and what they don't believe? Is there really only one way to God? Seriously? Maybe you've taken this Christianity thing too seriously, the devil says. Lighten up. Quit all this hyper-Christian stuff. And the fiery arrows of doubt are launched at your faith in hopes of taking it down. So how do you win the battle when your faith is under attack by your beliefs being under attack? I'm going to make it real simple. First of all, it's not a sin to doubt. Everybody say with me, it's not a sin to doubt. I've had doubts. Now, it's an honest doubt. There's a difference between unbelief and doubt. Unbelief says, I won't believe. No matter what you tell me, what you show me, how many proofs you present to me, I will not believe. That's unbelief. That's a sin. But doubt is not a sin. And can I tell you something about God? He doesn't mind scrutiny. He is not made nervous over scrutiny. So let me tell you what you do with your doubts. You take your doubts to Jesus. Listen carefully to me. You're a believer. Here you are. Something in your faith world is, is under attack. Something in your belief system is under attack. Where do you take it? The two disciples on the road to Emmaus, sitting there walking along, had all kinds of doubts. We thought he was this. We thought he was that. We thought he was going to deliver Israel. Now we don't know. We're full of doubt. And they told Jesus, the resurrected Savior, that they were full of doubt about whether or not he was real. But what did Jesus do? Let me ask you, did he reject them? Did he berate them? Did he walk away from them? Did he disown them? No, the Bible says, and I'm closing with this. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He cleared their doubts. 
because they were honest doubts. They were sincere doubts. They were legitimate doubts. And he cleared it all up so that they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? And listen, explained the scriptures to us. They went in talking to him with a confused heart. They came out with divine, holy heartburn. Heartburn. He cleared it up. I've never had a doubt that Jesus did not clear up. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.